Hello, friends. It's Kirk Henderson. You are joined by me and Mavs Moneyball contributor Matthew Phillips. How you doing, Matt? I'm very good. Happy to be here. So, working together, it's Memorial Day evening. It's about 8 o'clock. I don't know when this is going to go up because Megaphone, our, our, our publishing thing, seems to be down. But what I kind of wanted to get to together with Matt was talk about the exit interviews because those all happened Friday and kind of with the glut of, of things that have, you know, just a three-day weekend, we're all kind of trying to wind down from our kind of ridiculous two months of coverage. Uh, but for me, number one, it's kind of hard to turn off. And number two, um, I liked what I heard from the exit interviews across the board and usually exit interviews are if you don't win the championship exit interviews are kind of often a place where airing of grievances can occur um in the 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 spur not the spurs the suns exit interviews for example were extremely newsworthy where their head coach basically would not address what was going on with their soon to be probably maxed by someone center and deandre ayton and that sort of thing just makes news now the Mavericks ones, there wasn't a lot of news made outside of the fact that I think Dorian Finney-Smith, for some reason, decided he would name one of the Mavericks named another set of Mavericks, the Bang Bros, which we're not going to touch that with a 30-foot pole, but wow, what a what a moment in Mavs media. But um, so a lot of people gave it, like pretty much the, the entire group gave exit interviews. And the one that, that stood out the most to me, and I think we'll end up spending the most time on was Nico Harrison. So you kind of just, he talked for almost 17 minutes, asked a, like answered a ton of questions. And, you know, you kind of had some thoughts that, that in our pre-show that I just, you know, kind of want you to, to, to restate and maybe we'll talk about it for a minute. The, the most important thing that starts with the Nico thing is that basically he he is talking as if he is in charge of the situation. And if he is, that is incredibly healthy for the Mavericks. He like the Mavericks have had a very strange power dynamic for years where Cuban is the owner and obviously the Buck Sox there is the owner. But he's also been I, I would say he inserted himself into a lot of the decision making and to sometimes positive but largely negative results. Nico made it very clear that he believes that the buck stops with him this offseason, and that is a good thing. And going along with that, he also mentioned, if if you read into it very much, it's pretty clear the Mavericks are going to move on from Dwight Powell starting center. And that you think is, so? Yes. Well, I mean, to me, and this is why I'm going to say that, because he mentioned that they need a rim protector, that they need someone to get rebounds and do all of that, and that is simply not Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell yeah. got 30, he got 30 defensive rebounds in 249 minutes in the playoffs. That is you, your starting center. If you're going to pay lip service, if you're going to do more than pay lip service to defense, to rebounding and defense, you cannot have a starting center who gets one defensive rebound every eight and a half minutes. Like that just can't be a thing. And there are a variety of options available. Um, I don't think the math need to break the bank on that, but it is very clear that they see that as a problem, which is probably for the first time since he's been here, because the Mavs have been very loyal to him. And I, I hate to be the guy that's super negative about Powell because I, I do love how hard he plays. But it's not just Powell, it's the yeah. position because Maxi Kleber also can't rebound. Well, I think I think they're gonna keep Maxi. I think they enjoy 
the whatever that's one of the reasons I would really like to see them go after JaVale McGee. And I know it's mm. too early to get into offseason topics of uh, stuff like that. We'll have plenty of time for that. But JaVel McGee is has literally double the rebounding rate of Dwight Powell. And he got more re- more defensive rebounds in 130 minutes in the playoffs that he played than the than Powell did. It's just they really like having that starter that can play, you know, 15 to 20 minutes and not go more. But McGee does all of that while also being able sure. to be the the lob threat, but not get run over by people that are that are bigger than him. Well, we're gonna. Well, I want to circle back to specific yeah. people a little later in the summer, but I think that you're right that that was kind of the the large the large point that he hit on fairly early. Now, I will say that in terms of team building philosophy, I think we have to acknowledge the fact that the Mavericks made it to the Western Conference Finals while losing. Like, they in the playoffs, I think they're something like negative 170 compared to their opponents. Like, they got crushed on the board throughout the playoffs. So there, there's sort of a how much do rebounds matter sort of thing to where I've been having these discussions with people. This plays off of what, what Nico was talking about because – you can have a team building philosophy and the Mavericks are pretty like kid was so good at this this year where he would pay lip service to things that he said the Mavericks would need to do. And then they would just go do the thing they've done the whole time, which was shoot a lot of three pointers. <laughs> um, I I'm very interested to see what actually happens here because one, the Mavericks are, are, are fairly limited. Um, and number two, I just like Luca Luca being one of the team's leading rebounders is how this team is constructed for a reason because they want him to push the break. So that's just yeah. that's going to be something to keep a really close eye on. The other thing that I really liked that he talked about, um, he used the word connected over and over and over again. In the 17 minutes, I bet he says the word connected 25 times, where he talks extensively about and this was kind of a thing that was echoed throughout the Western Conference Finals and the post-game stuff. Jalen Brunson had things to say about this. And then in the the kind of the exit interviews for the team where the, the old kind of philosophy of trying, not old, but the, the philosophy of trying to like recruit multiple stars is kind of not, it's not possible unless you're generating those stars internally from like drafting and team building. Um, and you know, he talked about how they absolutely have to build around Luka Doncic in specific, which was a it was a a continuation of a theme that started last summer when these guys were brought on board. But when Jason Kidd talked about how the, Luka needs to use paints better, you know, kind of his how we have to be mm-hmm. able to use our and and I, I just think that after a year of 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 and you mentioned this in the pre-show of playing with a team that was essentially built for Rick Carlisle, I think both Jason Kidd which we'll talk about soon and or I mean we might talk about and and Nico Harrison have an idea of of what they've wanted to do because they took the same players plus Reggie Bullock that Rick Carlisle had and forged a top 10 defense. Now, we all know that top 10 defense didn't really exist after Porzingis left. It was kind of like a top 15 defense, but it was still better than the 20th ranked defense. So like the Mavericks have kind of a a um a blueprint. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm very curious to see how he works because I'll be honest, I'm going to have a hard time. It's going to take me a a full off season and maybe another year to really think that he has reins away from Mark Cuban. I've just seen this before. And, but that said, like he gave really good answers on repeat about what they're looking for, what his role ought to be. I mean, do you remember he said where he's like, you know, I, I don't have to go to every game, but like 
he's like, I wanted to go to lots of these games to talk to people, to be around the team, to get to know what's happening. And like compared to Donnie Nelson, like it's very difficult for me to talk about Donnie Nelson without like ranging into things which might be considered like like insulting because like Donnie no. Nelson was not a good GM for for about five years and no one wanted to say it out loud. Uh, I don't I don't really want to talk about Donnie because I don't want to get Vox or YouTube. <laughs> um, I don't want to get any y'all in trouble and that, that might right. yeah. But uh, so I'm I'm gonna stay away from that. But. You you did touch on it. like his worth his work ethic is so much better like how much effort he puts into it and I mean that that it matters like how hard you work matters and he's instilled that in the team and you can tell with that and also like you, what you were talking about is a seismic shift not just of him being the man in charge but the philosophy of we're not going to go big game hunting first until everybody's gone mm-hmm. I mean whatever you think about Reggie Bullock he is the most successful free agent signing the Mavericks have had since Monte Ellis since Monte. Yeah. Since Monte have it all. And I mean, he was, and he was an intentional signing, which Monte, if you remember, was kind of a backup plan that happened later because oh, it, it, it fell through because they screwed up the, yeah. the, the Dwight Howard thing. Like he was the last guy because they had Jose Calderon and it, it was, it was a mess. Like Bullock on the other hand, like, and I don't, they he went through and like they clearly targeted him as a player that they thought would fit the scheme and with Luca and went and got him and it worked and so that really I mean that does show at least somewhat that he's had it it even if he's not a hundred percent like I mean Cuban's always going to have some degree of say but if he has that much of his ear that he can change his opinion and get us to go after guys like that that is a huge change and a huge positive because the maps aren't that far off I mean like and it, it's just, it's not, they're not way a long way away. This isn't a team that's lost in the first round every year forever now that hasn't mm-hmm. won a playoff series in a decade. This is a team that has had some success now. Um, they're not as young as they like to talk about being, but they are, this is a team that has now experienced actual NBA success in the playoffs. And so from that, you can build. And so that's why it, it's helpful that they don't have to go back to the drawing board, that they can say, hey, you know what, we can go back and we can get a 15-minute-a-game center and maybe one more big wing, and we're right there to win it all. That is a huge shift. Yeah, and and I found myself just sort of strangely um, – stra- not strangely. It, it for he, he was pretty open in the thing where he said, you know, if, if I would have told you guys that at the start of the year – that we were going to make the Western Conference Finals, everybody would have laughed at me. And, you know, it, it just, it, it, so much of these things, I mentioned this earlier, can like end on like a bad vibes note. And there were not any, at least from Nico, there were not any bad vibes. I mean, they acknowledge their shortcomings and some of the challenges that they, that they have ahead. And, you know, particularly with like the, the Jalen Brunson of it all, they, they have some tough stuff to, to figure out. Um, but, but overall Nico's was probably the one that I enjoyed the most. Um, do you have anything else from, from um, Nico? So it's not necessarily from Nico, but just because you touched on it, I want to go to this real quick from everybody. You mentioned the vibes. I mean, we started the beginning of the season with the post about the Maz being all in on vibes and everything. And the, like, as you mentioned, the vibes were immaculate throughout, even in this, uh, Dorian and Reggie did their exit interviews together. Uh, Jalen Brunson mentioned the chemistry and all that like at, to a man everyone mentioned how close this team is you can never know without being in the locker room or anything but this team 
loves each other. This team is a family. Like it's talked about about teams being a family and everything. You can just look at this team and how they how they went out and how things went, and then look at the Suns. That team's not a family. Yep. This team is, and that does matter. And that gets you more. That gets you more than your talent tells you that it might should. Because, for example, the Suns are a more talented basketball team. Yep. Yep. Well, and and just to to, to kind of further that, one of the things that is worth considering, and and this is not being negative. This is a a a question: is how much can team chemistry? sustain over time because at the end of at the end of the day all of these players have team goals but they also have personal goals you know bill simmons talked about it a ton with the disease of more now none of these guys have that that i see at the moment but it's very difficult to continue a vibe from one season to the next that is is one thing i think that that lightning not like like lightning in a bottle but Teams that regress, you know, the Hawks might be a good example of this, that take a step back just because injuries or things not going the exact way. Like the Mavericks have some, re- like, I think that the core guys are all in good spots. And if the Mavericks take care of Jalen Brunson, uh, which I suspect they they will, unless things get really, really interesting. Um, I feel pretty, it's just, it's 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 one of those things to keep an eye on. Um, because you know, we, we both worked in professional environments for a long time and things, you know, when you're in a, when you're in like, like a situation that slowly goes sour, it's really hard to like pinpoint what and when and why, and what the Mavericks had going for them this year is that their trajectory was all inching upward the whole time. There were not any real steps back after the um, New Year's Eve, kind of when they lost to the Kings, they're like 16 and 18 around then. And then from there on, they just built and they built some more and they took steps in the right direction. Basketball seasons are incredibly long. And that's, you know, these guys played North, did they play 100 games? They played close to 100 games this year. Um, So, yeah, they they played exactly 100 because they played. (laughs) It's crazy to say out loud. So it's like, I don't know, that's just, that's where my head's going from that. So, all right, so the next one I did want to at least talk about briefly, and this kind of waffle, this kind of waves off in a wildly different direction, was Luka Doncic's, um, where Luka is a extremely busy guy, and his, you know, like I just mentioned with with how long the season is, I think it's dawned on him when going through his exit interview, it dawned on him just how much time off he does not get. Uh, He's going to go play, and I've had this confirmed from Slovenians. At the end of June and early July, he is playing in the World Championships uh, qualifying rounds. And then he's also playing in Eurobasket, which is September 1st to September 18th. So the time off aspect of this for, for Luca is uh, is really it's difficult. I mean, Jason Kidd said he needs a break. He deserves a break. The load he carries for this organization is big. But the load he carries on every team he plays on is big, and he wants that load. So it's, it's just it's 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 interesting. This, it, you know, we all we all want him to get time off to like figure out ways that he can change how he plays, his body, you know, work on skills, and he's just not going to get it again. 
Um, so you you know I love to use movie quotes for anything. Sure. So so we'll use this for the to me, he's a basketball version of Spider-Man, and that with great power comes great responsibility. Um, because so for him, he's so good and it dramatically changes Slovenia and everything if he doesn't play. So he's going to play for Slovenia until he is no longer the Luca as we know him. Like he will be like an injury or something holds him out. Either that or he's older. Yeah. Like when he, at some point he'll retire from Slovenia probably before he retires from the NBA, but it'll be like 35 year old Luca. Not like, like as long as he's in his prime, he's going to play for both. What he has to, and, and as Madsen, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. What he does have to do is when he takes his rest, he has to do it in a professional manner. Sure. Um, I am hesitant to say anything negative about Luca because one, he's my favorite player in the NBA. Sure. And two, I mean, he does so much. But I believe that it is not, uh, he has admitted that he was not in the best of shape coming to this season. And part of that is he's a, he's a kid. I mean, um, we're both old enough to, to call it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't figure it out. It took me to my late 20s to realize, okay, I've got to start treating my body differently. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's part of that. But what he can do is is when he's taking a rest, that does not mean that he has to balloon to to where he's just – taking a rest does not mean sitting at home eating ice cream all day every day. Yeah. Like, he can still – he can rest and still, you know, ride a stationary bike every now and then or and eat healthily like he has enough money his supermax kicks in and i'm sure if he doesn't want to do it anyway the mads will do it he can have a personal chef he can have good food that is healthy yeah um like all of those things he's going to play for slovenia i'm excited it's another chance i love it yeah i love watching him play international basketball it is any chance that i have to watch luka Doncic play uh basketball i enjoy so selfishly for me i like that but I, I don't see any issue with him. I know some. I've seen a couple of people that are like, "Oh, he shouldn't do this," but to me, it, I, I, it's important to him, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I enjoy it. And I just hope that when he does take the rest that he needs, that he does so in a manner that does not hamper him for the season next year. For sure, for sure. Um, you know, Jason Kidd told him during during or you know one of the questions for Kidd's exit interview was you know like like he he said my message to luca was quote we're going to get better from this we're going to learn it's all right to fail don't feel like you came up short the great ones have always failed and found a way to improve going forward to win the championship and luca i think was really luca was really bothered by the way they went out because they you know they, they went out sad and he yeah, I mean, they stormed back and like, I, I let me put it this way. I felt much better by the end of game five than I did like when they were getting blown out by 25 at one point. So it's, you feel, you feel from there. It's, it's what we just mentioned, the hundred games. Like it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that, that he's, he's entering the off season, hopefully in a good headspace. I think that fight that they showed at the end of the game, like um, this is kind of different, but I think that fight matters. Um this may be a hot take. It may not. I don't think James Harden's ever going to win a title. And part of that is because he, the man has quit at certain times, Yeah, like going out while taking two shots. I understand that some of the shots Luca took in the beginning of the fourth quarter, when the game was possibly back in reach, when he took some of those step back threes, when he was tired and they he were was just short. exhausted. He played the whole second half. Some of those plays are annoying, but I would much rather my superstar go out taking 15 to 20 shots and maybe some of them dumb shots in the second half than just not shooting at all. Um, that, that to me, the fight that he showed, because I was worried at first, because I've never thought that Luca has quit in him. I still don't. But for a minute when he had the shrug play, which it, it ended up waking him up too, when he had the shrug and just kind of jogged back, like 
I saw something that you don't that you don't want to see from your superstar, which it can happen for a second, but it can't happen. Like if he'd have just checked out, then that would have scared me going like long term for his future. Hundred percent. And then two, like when when you mentioned with that, it's just like you mentioned with Kid and the vibes and everything. Kid deserves a lot of credit for the vibes. Um, one one of the big things is how much faith he gives to his players. Like yeah. he and he mentioned that in his in his exit interview that he's not going to tell them what to do. They're all grown men; they know what to do. You mentioned professional work environments. We've all had bosses who feel like they need to tell you every single thing that you need to do, mm. whether, and that is one of the most annoying things in the world. You're like, thank you, I did that yesterday. I'm also aware that I have to do it today. Like I've got this. <laughs> so I I think like. At times for a college coach, yeah, it might be good to be on them, you know, to be Nick Saban, to be like a militant leader and everything. But for adult grown men, it does help to give them faith. Like it does, because a lot of times there's an old saying that people will do what's expected, like they'll rise to or lower to the level of what's expected to them. And right. I think there's some truth to that for the Mavs and that kid, kid gives them a lot of faith and they reward that faith by doing what he expects them to do. Yeah. And, and he's, he had one time the entire season where I was very frustrated with his coaching, and that was following game two when the Mavericks should have won and didn't against the Golden State Warriors. But overarchingly, I think Kid took this, you know, and, and he, he, he gave a pre, he just looking at the timestamps on all this, he basically gave the third longest exit interview behind uh, Brunson uh, and behind Nico. And you know he he's he's really, I'm I'm glad to have been so wrong. I'm glad that he has changed a lot of what he's done. And you know when you're when you when you read the the or when you watch these videos, then sort of read through any of the stories. Dallas Morning News has a lot of coverage on the exit interviews. A lot of it is is kid just doing exactly what you're saying, where he's like empowering people. Um, so, anyways, the the last one that you know we're somehow short on time because we've been talking for twenty five minutes already. The last one that's really worth your time in terms of like actual information is is the Jalen Brunson one. And Jalen is put in the awkward position of being a upcoming free agent on July first, and he has to answer questions that are non committal. Uh, but if you read like. There's one part of this that I absolutely hated reading. That when you watch the video, it's way different than you when you read about it. Where he talked about how they all like sign one another's jerseys, and when I read this, it was foreboding. And then when you hear him talking about it, it's just like these are guys that really like each other, and that's why they decided to do it. Um, you know, Brad Townsend in his piece in Dallas Morning News said he he kind of just reading from the in between lines sounds like Jalen Brunson would like to stay. Um, and that's pretty important. Brunson went on to, to say, uh, you know, it influences a lot, meaning, you know, just how far they went in the playoffs. I think whether we went this far or not, the teammates I was playing with this year, it's been amazing. They've been a great set of guys and I express my gratitude all to them all the time. I wouldn't be in this position without him. Um, and it's, it's just this, it's nice to read that because we've heard a lot of stuff in the, the previous days, like. Mark Stein, I wrote a story on it. Mark Stein basically says that they're extremely interested in Zach Levine. And that is at the moment not possible. Like it is not the Mavericks would have to like figure out some things in order to make it work. But it 
when you when you think about that in the context of what they want of them also saying publicly they want to sign Jalen Brunson, it makes me a little uneasy about where they're moving forward. And I'll just say that it's I, I'm feeling cautiously optimistic that they re-sign Jalen Brunson. I am happy that he is so happy. I also don't know where I stand on Jalen Brunson possibly being the second highest played player. Cause like Townsend writes in here. He's like, Oh, well he's, he's looking at getting deals north of like $80 million for four years. And I'm sitting here thinking that's low. Yeah. It's going to be way higher than that. Um, yeah. So first off, cause you mentioned the Zach Levine thing. I love Zach Levine. I think offensively, I'm not sure that you could pick a better player to pair with Luca because from the athleticism to the all ball mm-hmm. movement that he does is amazing and everything. All of that being said, that to me sounds more like Cuban interest than Nico interest because it's directly contrary to the stuff that Nico has said. And so that to me sounds like something where like, cause I could see Cuban being like, Hey, Levine's the biggest name on the market. Like that's the guy we can go get him. Like whether or not it makes sense. Whereas Nico's talked about more looking for role players, yeah. but if they do go after, like if they flirt with Levine and go after him to the point that it costs them Jalen Brunson, I'm going to lose my, my mind. Yeah. Like, right. like, like the Tyson Chandler stuff years yeah. ago. So I do. So at first, when I listened to Brunson's interview, I was a little concerned because he fell way short of just being like, yeah, if they take care of me, I'm coming back, which is what I thought coming into this season. I thought that he was just coming back as long as he got the right money. And he fell pretty well short of that. But one of the things that's kind of strange, but for me to take this as such a positive, but in his exit interview, if you listen to it, he mentions how much they make fun of him for having a big head which actually he doesn't say that, but he says, you know, that they keep people's heads small, which that'll be a big joke. It's um, it's a fairly open secret that they all make a whole lot of fun of him for having a giant head. Like and, literal, you're talking like dimensions, not. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I mean like he his has physical a head. Like, I'm talking about like, his, like his anatomy, like he has a very large head relative to his body and they make fun of him for it. Um, and one of the things that you know about that, if you're have a healthy relationship with someone, uh, one of the ways you can judge that is how much you can rib on each other, like how much mm. you can joke. Because if you're people that just don't get along, like if you hate each other and or like even if not just hate each other, but if you just tolerate each other and somebody just is constantly making fun of you, like that's a problem. And you say something about it. It's the people that make fun of you and like it's continuing and you are people you like. And so like him mentioning that in there is actually something that I took as a positive just because of how close they are and how open they are to make jokes like that. Cause a lot of times you'll really more walk on eggshells with people that you're just kind of like, uh, you know, we're coworkers, but I wouldn't like, we're not friends or whatnot. And so their openness about stuff like that actually seems super positive to me. No, I, I, I like that. That, that is an element of things. It was, it's like one of those things that you started to notice way more when KP wasn't around where there was a lot of eggshelling with him and well, yeah. that just went away when well, he yeah, was you no mentioned, longer on the team. You mentioned the vibes being able to change from year to year. Like, I mean, I would say last year the Mavs were a bad vibes team when the season ended. Like mm-hmm. every like the vibes leaving last season were terrible. They're no, that's uh, that's I'm glad you mentioned that because the exit interviews from this year to last year feel so much stinking different. And and yeah, they do. And and it's just like it's a ton because everything last year was, you know, oh, you know, we got to get KP the ball and, mm-hmm. you know, it's Lucas to this and Lucas to that and blah, blah, blah. I mean, Brunson actually did mention that he's done a really good job of playing off of Luca, which can be a difficult thing. Yeah. But I, I really think for, for Brunson to finish up with him is he really wants like this is his chance to be the prettiest girl at the ball. And he should enjoy that. Like he has earned it. 
That man is a fantastic basketball player. Like, no qualifier, no anything else. He is a fantastic basketball player. He is probably one of the 30 to 35 best players in the world. Um, that might strike some people as odd, but if you go look at it, if it, once you get past about 25 to 30, it gets real hard to sure. him. Yeah. That are just unequivocally better than him. Right. So, like the, the chasm, I know what you mean. Like the chasm between 25 and 26 is sometimes enormous. And then it's like when you get in the top 10, it's like, it's why the Jimmy Butler thing yeah. is so weird to discuss. But yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And so with him, like he, he legitimately is a fantastic basketball player. And since, since he's been in the NBA, he's been an afterthought for the most part. I mean, he was the other guy the Mavs drafted the year they drafted Luka. He was the other point guard. He was a backup. This is the first year he's been like a predominant starter alongside Luka. And he does do a lot of things really well. And if you look at his history in games that Luka, don't, that Luka doesn't play, like he doesn't necessarily need Luka to be a great bat. Like a lot, his numbers are better without Luka because he gets the ball more. He actually yeah. turns into like kind of a mini version of Luka and then he barrels into the paint and then uses elite finishing ability. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be wanted. And so that's that's where he's at, and I think that's where they're going to end up. I would say that if you if they get him back for four for eighty or something in that neighborhood, that is an that's absolute true. steal at yeah. the level like, and that should probably get his agent fired if he does because I am looking at like if they get him for less than a hundred million total, I will be shocked and consider it a bargain. Yeah. I know right. I, I understand people with the cap and wanting to do this and. I understand that it's fun to dream about whatever superstar like Giannis in the past, or I'm glad that Jokic is signing his Supermax so we can quit dreaming about that. But I, I understand doing the fantasy or NBA 2K GMing and wanting to do all of that. But Jalen Brunson is just a really, really good basketball player, and he already plays with the Mavs, and we don't have to worry about his fit with Luka. Like, if we can bring him back, we need to, and hopefully we do. Yeah, yeah. Well, so here's what I'm going to do. For, for everybody that didn't get a chance to see these is I'm just going to post it in the show notes. I might do a whole article about it. I don't really know. Um, just to link the, link the videos because I'm like looking at the number of views in the Mads like YouTube page. It's like the one with Nico has like 6,500 views. Like what are we doing? Like this is one of the most, like compared to, so, I, I just think maybe, maybe Mads fans are turned off or don't know that they're available to hear. But um I'm going to share all this stuff and you can go check it out yourself. If you're really interested. Uh, there's a lot, like there's a lot in here. Now you got to kind of take some of the grain of salt. Like one guy said to me when I was talking about this, he's like, well, this is just the opposite. When we talked about like what Mark Stein said, he's like, well, this is the opposite of what Nico and, and kid and Cuban are saying publicly. I'm like, yeah, that's the whole point. Like you got to take some of this stuff with a grain of salt, but these guys have to constantly be looking to improve their team. And if everybody ends the season in a pretty good place, that is of value heading into the off season. So, well, thank you, Matt, for joining me. I don't know what I'm doing next. I think um, I've been trying to do these, like, you know, these like seven, eight minute Moneyball minute things, but there wasn't really any, um, there wasn't really any information about, um, like, there's no new Mav stuff this weekend, like, which it's a holiday weekend. So I'm probably not going to do anything. I think Josh Bow and I might get together this week and kind of talk about the season as a whole. Like, I didn't really want to do it the night of. Um, but I'm going to be trying to host maybe one to two Spotify green rooms a week. 
still got to figure out timing on that. I what I normally want to do it like Tuesday, Friday, but tomorrow's Tuesday. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, we're going to be having a pretty good amount of regular content coming. We got player reviews that are kind of inching out. We have uh, draft profile stuff, which our guys are starting to work on if they're interested. Um, and then we also have, uh, what else is it? We're also going to have some free agency stuff because you look at the calendar when you play two more weeks into the season, when you play like this far into the year, it, the Mavericks like free agency, uh, I'm sorry, the draft is in 23 days and free agency starts on July 6th, which is five weeks. So we kind of have, you know, it's like Luca talking about the shorter calendar. You just don't really have a ton of time to rest when you play longer so we'll see but keep coming to the site keep checking the feed i'm going to try to put out you know some stuff continually but I, I was a bit of a lunatic for um a series of of months so maybe i will calm down about that matt thank you so much I think you might be having some fun login issues are you there yes i am back i was gone for just a second while you were explaining what was I, going on no i was giving a soliloquy so <laughs> no one cares what i have to say um do you have any parting shots before we go uh, the only thing I would say is that this was my first season of actually covering the maps. It was a I lot of fun, and, and I am thankful uh, for the opportunity to do so. And if anybody is listening to this has any interest in like content creation of talking about anything, go find somewhere to write. There are plenty of places to do it. Yep. Just find somewhere to get it out. Yep. All right, Matt. Everybody, have a good start to your holiday week. It'll be a four-day week for people who work nine-to-five jobs, and we will talk to you a little later in the week.